Today we're going to be responding to YouTube comments. There have been people, or I guess a person, leaving a comment on the conversation I had with Mr. Justin concerning baptismal regeneration, and I want to respond to his comments. Now, he left a plethora of comments, but we're only going to look at one particular comment and an interaction that he had with another one of my subscribers I thought was interesting. Prescribed truth, we giving you what the doctor ordered. Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant. We undeserve it, but Christ changed our mind frame. In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. Welcome back, everybody, to Prescribing Truth, where we seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. I'm your host, Jamal Bandy, and this is episode 59. Um, don't want to take long. I have some updates I want to share with you guys real quick while I have your attention. Um, I'm going to be moving the live streams from Wednesday nights at 9 and I'm going to try to do these on Sunday evenings at 6. Now, I know this may be a change for some of you who, who try to tune into the live streams. Um, but I feel like that's, that'd be a better time that works for me and my family with our schedule. So I hope you guys, will, um, and I pray that you would bear with me with that change. Um, I think it'd be better as far as me being able to get the content out and get it out in the beginning of the week. And so, um, yeah, that's the, that's the change I'm planning on making. You guys let me know. Um, how that fits or you know what you think about that i really greatly appreciate it um, so yeah um i'm gonna actually so this is gonna be a busy week for me because i'm doing this live stream and then this sunday i'm gonna do another one <laughs> and so I'm, I'm doing back to back so putting this on work this week trying to get into this next flow of things i thought about taking a week off but i'm like nah i'm not gonna do that i'm just gonna you know just gonna jump in there you know there's plenty more I can say, especially on this topic. If you want to call me, you can do so. 801 980 6333. You can leave your comments. Um, you can email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. Also, you can follow me on Discord. We have the Discord server. I had a great conversation with um, a young man. He's from the UK. We talked today about uh, premarital sex and why it's a sin. And we even talked about how we, how can we know the existence of God. So we had a great conversation today. So I would encourage you guys, if you want to have conversations, open dialogue, you can do so by joining the Discord um, link at the bottom for um, and our discord channel is called distributors distributors of truth So I look forward to having interaction with you guys there. All right, so This guy uh, I'm just gonna call him blazer. I think it's like t10 blazer whatever case may be I'm just gonna call him blazer um, So he left a comment and he directed this comment to the host and we're gonna discuss this comment um, as I'm reading this, if you guys agree with him, if you watch that debate, and maybe I'll put a link to the debate again in the description too later on, but if you watch this debate and if you agree with him that uh, as far as what he says, as far as how my character was during the debate, please let me know. Um, I definitely know that somewhere in the midst of that debate that I had with Justin, I did get frustrated. Oh, I was getting frustrated with him. Um, but I don't think that I was cutting him off like that. I don't think I was being rude with it. I think the way our, the nature of our conversation, how it was going, um, I believe that he was saying a whole lot in order to be able to answer him. We had to stop him, you know, and a couple of times, I don't think one time I had to mute him because he just wouldn't stop. And then when I, un when I unmuted him, he was still talking. <laughs> and so like he was, he was going on like, like, like a hundred miles an hour. 
And um, I realized that's just how he is. He's the same way when it comes to messaging. You know, he'll message you a, a, a post or message you. And then while you're trying to respond to that message, he's continually writing five or six different other messages. So, yeah. And I'm the type of guy, and I've been this way since I started Prescribed Truth. If you've been watching me for any length of time or any of that, you know that I'm not one to really go into the back and forth a whole lot. And I kind of like to follow a path. You know, I don't like, I like to know where we're going. And so therefore, I don't like going into different topics dealing with something. I like to do at one point and let's, let's work our way through there. I feel like that's the best way to get understanding. You know, um, I'm just, I'm just that way. So I'm just different that way. So yeah, so let's, let's get into it. I'm, I'm pretty sure you see the comment by now. You probably went ahead of me and read it, but I'm going to read it out loud for those who's going to be listening to this on the podcast apps. And so it says, you are so opposed. This is what Blazer says. It says, to the host. You are so opposed to the word of God that you would just, you would go as far as to become a stutterer in order to interrupt the answer whenever you would ask a question. And I'm guessing uh, he's just trying to make fun of how I talk, but that's just me. You know, I'm not, a, I'm not a stutterer like that, but anyway, I get what he's coming from. That's fine. You would ask a question and you would interrupt Justin every single time. Not once did you want to hear a biblical answer. Now, I could have, it's like, it's funny. I wish I should have made some clips of me asking for scripture from him. Like, you know, like biblical answers to what we're actually talking about. And for, to say that I cut him off every single time, that's, man, come on. That's just not fair. But anyway, like I said, you guys to listen to that. If you listen to the debate, if you agree with him in this regard, that maybe Jamal, hey, you know what? Maybe he was a little too rough with him. Then let me know. I, you know, I will examine, I will examine myself and I will gladly repent because it's not my, it's not my um, intention to be rude with anybody that I have come on, you know, or to show anybody up. There's a goal in mind. And so, you know, I'm open to that. Just let me know. But I don't agree with him. I'm just put it like that. I don't agree with his, um, his analysis of, of my character during that discussion. Then he says, um, not once did you want to hear a biblical answer to a biblical question. He was willing to share with you a biblical answer to your question. And but instead, hey, he quotes me. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> hey, yeah, that's that's exactly that's exactly how I talk when I'm trying to when I'm trying to address a point that he's made when he's trying to bring up 10 other different points on top of the one that needs to be addressed. And my memory. It's not that good. You can ask my wife, you know, so therefore I want to go ahead and deal with what you're saying before we move to something else, because I don't want to forget where we are. So, yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> let's let's stop. Let's pause. Let's breathe. And let's get to it. All right. And he says, shame on you. So I'm just like, hey, he's, he's, he's like, he's really upset with me. Shame on me. Shame on you. You have no idea how to exegete scripture or link scripture from one it ensemble to the next. You're lost, confused, and need to repent. Well, you're welcome to your opinion. It's just like, you know, just like things that everybody has. You know, you, you got it. So here's a quick answer on the water baptism in Jesus' name. Now, this is the part we're going to be addressing, all right? So I'll leave that first part to you guys, to you who listen to the show and watch the show. What do you think about my character? On that, I'm bringing it before you guys. You guys have let me know. Uh, I do look for accountability when it comes to prescribing truth. This is about truth. And so even when it comes to truth, when I'm in sin. And so if, the, if I behave wrongfully, I like to know. And so, but I don't agree with him. All right. So put it out there. Now, 
he brings up some answers to baptism in Jesus' name. And he does this by naming some instances in scripture. And he doesn't give scripture, but he just gives some, some points. He's bringing out some points. And I'm okay with that because I bring out points too. And so he says, the Levitical priests had to wash to become ceremonial clean in order to be priests. Now, let's stop here for a moment. Without even pulling up scripture, in his own point, he refutes his argument with this one point. Now, we can go on. We, we are going to go on. We're going to address the points he brought up here. But Levitical priests, Israel, did all of Israel have to be baptized? Or was it the Levitical priests? Yes, the Levitical priests had to be cleaned before they went into the temple. They had to, they had, they had to be clean or they would die. So, yes, they had to be clean. But what did Jesus do? As our high priest, what did he do? He came to be baptized. He came and he was baptized. But why was he baptized? What did he say? He said, this has to be done to fulfill all righteousness. He needed to do it as priest. So when Jesus was baptized, he uh, submitted himself, cemented himself as priest. All right. In doing so. And that's that's who Jesus is. He's our priest. He's our high priest. Where all the other priests of the Old Testament, they were temporal. They died. Right. But Jesus lives forever. The sacrifices that the Levitical priests gave, they expired. That's why they had to uh, have the sacrifices every year. But the sacrifice that Jesus gave is continual. It's not just one time. It doesn't last for one year. It doesn't last for 10 years. It lasts forever. He's God in the flesh. His sacrifice saves forever. It does. So <laughs> he's had some problems bringing this up because he would have to know that then, you know, that's, that believers cannot lose their salvation. That when it comes to this particular instance, he brings up that this is for the priest. And so therefore, Jesus fulfilled that. So what's the point? Because nobody else in Israel was being baptized like that. It was the priest. So what up? Now, when God gave his covenant, you know, when he gave his covenant, they were sprinkled with blood. And that's what Moses did. Sprinkled them with blood. They weren't submerged in blood. It was sprinkled when God performed his covenant with Moses and the Israelites. Now, there may be some points I miss in bringing that up. That's why you guys in the comments, you know, uh, you know, message me. Hey, let me know. Let's continue the conversation. Let's have it. You know, I prefer conversation. <laughs> let's let's do it. Now, the next point he brings up is Psalms. He says, Psalms tells us. He's going to make his ministers a flame of fire. Now, real quick, I don't know why he brought this up because Hebrews 1 tells us that the ministers of flame and fire is talking about angels. These are angels, not us. We're not the ministers of flame and fire. The angels are. You know, and let's, let's look at that. I, I want to pull up my Eastward app so we can take a look at it. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Verse three says, talking about the Lord, it says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Four, now verse five. Four, to which of the angels did God ever say? 
you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, he brings the firstborn into the world. He says, let all God's angels worship him. Verse 7, of the angels, he says, this is God says concerning angels. He makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. If you know the, what the word angel means, it's a messenger. Sometimes in, in, sometimes the word the ain't for angel could be synonymous with dealing with ministers. They're minister. They minister. Okay. They minister to Jesus when after a fast. And so minister doesn't necessarily mean because you're a preacher. You know, this is talk this context is talking about angels. It's not even dealing with us. So I don't know what his point of bringing that up in the in the text. I mean, or that point was, I don't know what it was for. Um, because that's dealing with angels. All right. The next thing he says, and in Ezekiel, God says he's going to wash you and make you clean. Now, I asked this question when I was having the debate with uh, Mr. Jesse. And in Ezekiel 36, God says he's going to do these things. Well, God does do those things in baptism, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He cleanses us. Now, they would disagree with that. That's fine. But in Ezekiel 36, God says he's going to wash you. Well, what happens in baptism? In literal, the physical baptism, when you're submerged in water and lifted up, God is himself is not cleansing you. He's not the one putting you in the water. You put yourself in the water or somebody put you in the water. Somebody dunked you and brought you up. God didn't come and possess the individual that's dunking you and then bring him up. A person did that. It's a ritual. It's a ceremony. All right. Same thing like with the Levitical priests. God didn't clean them. They were they had to go wash. They had to go physically wash before they went into the temple. And so here God is saying he's going to do it. I'm going to clean you. So this is like if I say that I'm going to clean my son, I'm going to bathe him. I'm going to wash him and he's going to be clean. Then that doesn't mean that my wife then goes, washes him and cleans him. I wash him and clean him. You see, but somehow they take Ezekiel and they say, well, this doesn't mean God is, you know, he's not doing it. Like he's doing it, but he's doing it through somebody. Well, if that's the case. God would just say, I'm doing it through somebody. Just like Ananias, you know, God told Paul, you're going to get your sight because God could give Paul his sight back without Ananias. Let's be clear. But he sent Paul to Ananias to receive his sight. He told Paul what's going to happen. And he told Ananias what's about to happen. Did God need Ananias? Absolutely not. But that's what he did. And so if he was going to do it, if he meant, if he meant it that way, he would have said it that way. But he said, I'm going to clean you. Then he says, I'm going to give you my spirit. Should we then be consistent when God says, I'm going to give you my spirit or give you a new spirit? That, that means that somebody else can come and give you their spirit and be on behalf of God? No. Let's not let's let's be consistent here. And that's all I try to argue with is consistency. We have to be consistent across the board of what we're looking at. And then he goes on, he says, in John, Jesus says, You better be born again of water. And it's funny that he leaves out in the spirit. <laughs> Because the whole context is being born again. It, like, so if you're going to be born of water, are we birthed through water? No. See, we're not made new. The water doesn't make us new. 
The physical water does not change us. It doesn't. It's the renewal of the spirit. That's what changes us. He is what changes us. And I know y'all don't like that he because y'all don't believe the Holy Spirit is a third person. But that's okay. That's okay. You know, I hope that you will see the, the light in all of this one day. But in that text, the context is being born again. Jesus says, you must be born again. Then Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again a second time? Then Jesus says, verily I say unto you, unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you could by no means enter the kingdom of God. The whole context is being born again. Now, if you take that being born again means that you have to be baptized, well, that means that the spirit can't come until you baptize. Because that's what's included in being born again. That's what's included. That you must be baptized before you're changed. Before you receive a new heart. Before you receive a new spirit. Then you must be baptized. Well, that's not consistent in scripture. Because Cornelius and his house, they received the spirit. They were changed. Then they were baptized. They were born again. They were renewed. A change of heart. And then was baptized. Not the other way around. See, it has to be the same way across the board. But see, what I see consistent, consistent in scripture is that change happened. Then the person was baptized. The change was the renewal. It was given, it was the, uh, a change of their heart, giving them a new heart. And then at that point, saving them. Because a person is sealed for an inheritance of eternal life once they're born again. That's it. And that's just looking at the whole of scripture consistently. All right. So from there, it says, or he says, and in Acts, Peter says, you better get baptized in Jesus name. <laughs> well, no, no, Peter didn't say you better get baptized in Jesus name. They asked him, what must we do? And then and Peter says, repent all of you of your sins, and be baptized and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. I do want to deal with this whole issue of the name. It's interesting that in a, a Facebook post earlier, I saw in the comments threads that my the guy who I had a conversation with, Justin, he acknowledged that there are different uses for the word, the English word name that we see in scripture. That the underlying Greek words that can be different, and you gotta look at the context to know what it means. But it was interesting that he said onoma would be the the word, the Greek word that would speak of character of, not the actual name, but the character of. And I was like, hmm, I'm glad he brought that up. So like, and so in that, I want to pull up some text. I want to pull up a scripture. Let's see what we got here. So if we, go, if we look back at Matthew 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's what we see. Now, what is the word for name there? Let's take a look. Anima. It can mean the authority or character of. And so this is not talking, this doesn't have to be a pure name like Jamal or Justin or, you know, Lee. You know, it's, it doesn't mean that. It's mean the authority and character of. Jesus himself said, go baptize in the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm encouraged by that because that means when I go and evangelize and witness the souls, I'm witnessing under the authority of the Godhead. 
of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But they take that and they say, no, the name is a name singular, name singular. Therefore, it has to be like like Jesus, like his name. Like, no, it's in his authority. Now, this is consistent throughout the rest of scripture when we see people talking about, hey, be baptized in the name of, because they're talking about the authority and character of. Now, does Peter disagree with Jesus? Jesus talking about character of. Peter now changes, said it has to be in the exact name of. Are they are they a disagreement? No. But see, if you interpret it that way, then you're going to run in problems. And I'm glad that he actually knew that. So I wonder if he ever watches this or anybody else who may take that same stance would see that he gravely had what I call a beautiful inconsistency there because he understood that name can mean authority and character. And so depending on this context. And so I wonder what they'll do with that. All right, now let's look at Acts 2 and uh, 28. Acts 2, 30, I said 28, 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we want to look at the word for name there. Now, do we see that same Greek word? Yes, we do. It's right here. This is the word for name. That same Greek word. Authority and character of. Same Greek word. So, by his own understanding, and that comment that he made on Facebook, thinking he had a head up, a leg up on this conversation, he actually dug a hole for himself. A beautiful hole. A beautiful hole. Because that means that he understands that name can mean authority of. And that means that we are consistent because when we say the name of Jesus Christ, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, he has the same authority, just like the Father and the Spirit. They all share the authority. We baptize in the authority of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Isn't the Son one of the people we're baptizing in the authority of? Yes. And it can also be true to say I'm baptizing in the name of the Father. And I'm baptizing in the name of the Holy Spirit. I'm baptizing in the name of Jesus. It can all fit and it be the same. But they make the grave mistake of thinking that it has to be by just a personal name. And that's not the case when you look at scripture. Now, now this is evidence. This is evidence. Now, what do you do with it? Do you deny the facts and continue to hold to your presupposition because it goes because that it just this right here goes against what you've been taught in your tradition? Or will you just follow scripture and let scripture speak for itself? What will you do? That's something you have to decide. He says, and Ananias tells Paul, why tarryest thou arise and wash away thy sins, calling upon the name of the Lord. So let's let's look at this. He's. <laughs> I, and I brought this up in the discussion that I had with uh, Justin. Paul was called by God. Jesus calls him himself. Paul gets up. He's going to persecute Christians. But now his heart has changed and he wants to embrace Christians. He wants to preach Christ. This same Saul, before he was named, was changed to Paul. This same Saul hated Christians. And he wanted to, he wanted to like, get rid of anybody who was calling on the name of Christ. Christ calls on him, and then now he loves Christ. Something changed. Something changed. But what did Ezekiel 36 say concerning when God gives us a new heart? What would happen? It says that God says when we when he gives us a new spirit and gives us his spirit, it's, he says that we will obey him. 
We will follow his statutes and keep his ways. And we will loathe ourselves for our many sins. What happened with Paul? He counted all of that time with him being a Pharisee. He counted it all as dung. He loathed himself out. He persecuted Christ. And he now preached Christ. He obeyed God. He obeyed God. He obeyed Christ to go see Ananias. You telling me because he's blind, that's the only reason why he followed and went to Ananias? Just so he received his sight? No. He didn't, go, he didn't go kicking and screaming. He went. His heart was changed. He witnessed the Lord. So, y'all, we, we, like, we got to see this. We got to see this. And then he, he finishes off by saying this is called the doctrine of baptism. I don't think he did a good job of <laughs> describing baptism with that comment. And I, I trust me, I understand it probably take a little more than what he was willing to give in that one comment to give a doctrine of baptism. But that's what he says is the doctrine of baptism. Then he says the shadow is in the Old Testament. The substance of the shadow is made known in the New Testament. And it's funny that everything in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. Everything in the New Testament points to Christ. Why can't I stop? So our salvation, so Old Testament points to Christ, New Testament points to Christ, but our salvation points to our baptism. Like that's rooted in our baptism, but it's not rooted in Christ. I'm just trying to be consistent. And I just beg you to be consistent. All right. He says, next time let your opponent talk. That was obnoxious. He calls me obnoxious. Um, you guys be the judge of that. Let me know. Do you think I was obnoxious? I'm willing to hear. All right. So, with that, with that being said, I'm willing to switch gears real quick, and I just want to uh, give a little plug. Uh, support Prescribed Truth by joining me on Patreon. For only a dollar a month, you receive access to Patreon-only content, receive discounts on merchandise, take part in the Discord after-show hangouts, and more. Those who sign on at the $5 tier will receive a Prescribed Truth mug. Thank you in advance for your support. Join today at www.patreon.com forward slash prescribed truth. All right, so I'm gonna go into the second part. So that was dealing with that comment. Like I said, anybody who wants to um, have that conversation with me, there's something that I missed, what the case may be, feel free to hit me up. I'm, you know, I'm open for it, it's cool. You know, I just want us to be consistent when we look at a scripture, all right? Now, this next comment is gonna be dealing with the same individual, but an interaction that he had with another brother um, who subscribed to the channel. And so I wanna showcase that, all right? And so Jeremiah Jones, Jeremiah Jones, if you happen to watch this stream, brother, if you happen to watch this playback, I thank you for, in, for engaging him in love and grace. Um, you were very patient. I just really appreciate you, man. Uh, it was it was dope. And your answers was was good, man. And so um, now, Jeremiah, he's responding as he's watching uh, the actual stream itself, the actual discussion that I had with Justin. And he's responding as he goes. And so he leaves his comment. He says, baptism is an outward expression to what God has done inwardly. And it's a public profession. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but Mr. Blazer doesn't agree. And he says, whoever told you that didn't do any research. Jesus says, after you receive the promise of the father, preach repentance and remission of sin in his name beginning in jerusalem how does one receive remission of sin that's a biblical question i expect a biblical answer now i'm gonna give you jeremiah i'm gonna read for you jeremiah's response and then i'm gonna give my answer as i'm thinking about this as i walk through it so jeremiah's response is 
one receives remission of their sins by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8, as they respond to the gospel. However, it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. John 6.65 explains to us, we cannot come to come to unto him. He said, come to unto him, but come unto him unless it's been granted by the Father. On a side note, the trajectory of your life has already been fashioned before the foundations of the earth. Psalms 113 verse 16. I thought that was a beautiful answer. That was beautiful, man, because he just took all the responsibility away from us and put it on the Lord. Like it's the Lord who saves. We can't save ourselves. It is God who sanctifies. It is God who justifies. It is him who does it. You know, and so I love this answer. I love this response. His um his only response was Jeremiah Jones, who spoke to Paul on the road to Damascus. I don't understand what that question has to do with what he said. We know it's Jesus who spoke to Paul on the road to Damascus. But what does that have to do with the answer that Jeremiah gave? I don't get it. So now I think he gave a beautiful answer. So not to try to um like outshine that answer or anything like that. I just want to talk about the remission of sins for a moment because this is something that's used in Acts 2.38. You know, be baptized all of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. What does the Bible mean when it says remission? What does it mean? Now, I know that because he, because he uses the term remission, he read it from the King James Bible. That's fine. But remission just means forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins is taken away taken away. So now how do we receive forgiveness of sins? Well, the Bible tells us it's because of the blood. It's the blood of Christ also. So now, now I, I hear what, what I hear you already saying what Acts 238 says and other places where it mentions baptism and remission of sins in the same uh, passage or same verse. But let's look at something real quick. Let's think about something. Matthew 26, 28. This is Jesus speaking. He's talking about, he, I think this is the one time he's talking about uh, Lord's Supper and he's, and he's giving a cup. And he says, for this is my blood. Talking about the, the cup. For this is my blood of the New Testament or the New Covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus says that his blood was shed for the remission of sins. That means his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. So. I'm going to read another, I'm going to read a scripture for you. And I'm going to ask this question before I read it. Did we receive forgiveness of sins when Jesus' blood was shed on the cross or when we're baptized? I want to ask that question. Now, there's a problem here. If you say this is when we are baptized that you receive forgiveness of sins, well, that means that when you're filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit while being corrupted. That means you're corrupted while having the Holy Spirit indwelling you, which I think that's just a contradicting contradiction all by itself. But that's what you have to admit to. If the blood of Christ doesn't for, doesn't offer forgiveness of sins alone, then it's not sufficient alone. That's your other problem. Now I want to read a passage of scripture for you. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture to read. Colossians 2. Let's take a look at it. Now I'm gonna start at verse 6. Therefore, verse 6, Colossians 2, verse 6, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So you receive Christ, walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, 
Y'all pay attention to that. According to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Now, who raised him from the dead? Now, some people take that verse as saying that baptism is the work of God. No, 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 no. It says, having been baptized, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. It's the, it's the raising of, of, of us up through faith. That's the powerful working of God. God does it. He raises us up. That's the work of God, our salvation. Our faith is work of God who raised him from the dead. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So. Wait a minute. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. God made you alive. Now, when he make you alive? That's the question. When are you made alive in Christ? Because in, in being made alive together with Christ, you are forgiven of all your trespasses. When are you made alive? In baptism or when you're filled with the spirit? That's a good question to ask, right? Then he said, but he, but he goes on. He says, and you, I'm going to read it again. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by, so, so God has forgiven us our trespasses, but now he's going to tell us how. He's going to tell us how he, we're forgiven of our trespasses. And he says, by Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What is that debt? That legal debt do we owe God because of our sin? That's that legal debt. We sinned against God. It's a legal debt. We owe him and we can't pay it. It'll cost us an eternity in hell. We can't pay it. He canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. What is the legal demands of when we break the law? Right. Come on now. Let's answer that question. What's the legal demands by us breaking the law of God? And he says this, he set aside this, this legal demands, this, this, this transgression, these trespasses, this debt. He said this, he set aside. Who set it aside? God. This, he set it aside. What he says. This, he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Whoa. Whoa. When were our sins forgiven, y'all? When were our sins forgiven? Paul says in, in Colossians 2 that it was at the cross. That our, that our debt was canceled at the cross. When? What happened? When our precious Lord's blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins. Our debt was forgiven at the cross. So this is, this is good because if you say baptism, 
is when you receive forgiveness of sins, then you are saying that Christ's blood shed on the cross as payment, propitiation for our sins was not enough. Was not enough for us to be saved, for us to be forgiven of our trespasses. It had to be for us to do something on top of that. And in that is baptism. Now, I've heard these guys also say that repentance is a work. And so you call people to repent. Isn't that a work? And you're right. Repentance is a work. But look, the, look at the beauty of the spirit. What does it mean to repent? To turn away from, to do an about face. So if I'm repenting of my sin, that means I'm obeying the law. Because the law says thou should not murder, thou should not kill. And I turn from that murderous intent. That means I now obeying the law, right? So it is a work. So now how do a person, and I bring this again, I brought this up in the um, discussion. How does a person go from loving their sin, wanting to do sin, to all of a sudden hating their sin and wanting to obey God? The Bible says that happens when our hearts are changed. Not prior to that. But when that happens and then the Bible says, when our hearts are changed, then something, something wonderful happens. We're born again. We're born again. And then if we're born again, then we can see the kingdom of God. And if we're born again, then we're sealed with an inheritance of our eternal salvation. That's, that's what the Bible says. When you look at all of scripture and you look at it holistically, it fits together like a wonderful puzzle. It fits together perfectly, but you have those who like to take pieces away and act like they don't exist in order to hold to their tradition. Is Jesus' blood enough for our salvation? And it's the thing, because he did die on the cross and he was raised and he ascended and because he gave the promise of the spirit, I know that he who begun a good work in me because he began the work in me will perform it until the day that Christ comes. And so therefore my trust for the rest of my life is not in how good I'm going to be, but how good Christ has always been. Praise God. Praise God. So the good that I do when I repent of my sins and, and I'm trusting Christ, I'm not doing it to keep or to gain salvation. I'm doing it because I love God. And that will be in context with when Jesus says in John 15, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Because if you don't love me, you won't keep my commandments. Trust me, Jesus was just talking about baptism. He's talking about the commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Let's be consistent. What are you going to say? You stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I've done enough. I was baptized. I spoke in tongues. I laid, I did all those things. I deserve to be in heaven because that happened to me. I did those things. And the difference between me and this person over here, they didn't do what I did to get to heaven. I deserve it. They don't. But see, the, the consistent mind of a Christian who understands where his salvation comes from will always say, Lord, I am undeserving of your grace. And of your mercy. And it's only by your grace and your mercy that I have been saved. Therefore, I can't boast 
and what I've done for you in order to get here. It's only by your grace that I'm even able to come to you. And then for that, God, I thank you. So that's that's my passionate plea for anybody who holds that position. And that's that's all I really had to say, guys. So um, that's all I had concerning those comments. Um, please, if you have any other comments or any, anything you want to say concerning those topics concerning baptism and the remission of sins, please feel free to email me with prescribe.truth at gmail.com or call me at 801-980-6333. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Prescribing Truth. Until next time, remember, in a world full of errors, the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. <laughs>